All right, go ahead and have a seat. Good job, that was awesome. Hey, welcome. My name is Jake. Glad you're here. Glad to see you. Uh, We're in part three of God's will, and I want to start off with a question. Uh, And so this kind of, I'm going to actually ask. I want you to respond, so we'll see how you do. Uh, Here's the question. Uh, How many times do you think, and this is Bible trivia for you, how many times do you think God actually said in the Bible, and God said, or the Lord saith? Any ideas how many times that was actually put in the Bible? Anybody? Anybody? 300, a little higher. 4,000, way lower. (laughs) 500, what? what? Very close. You guys are super close. 1,324 times. 1,324 times God said this, or God said that, or God said go, or God said stay, or God said do this, or God said stop doing that, right? So God speaks is what I want to say in that sense. God speaks. Here's what it says in the book of Jeremiah. It says, God said, call to me, and here's huge, and I will answer you. I will answer you, and I will tell you great hidden things that you have not known. The prophet Isaiah, he said this. He says, your own ears, so my ears, your ears, will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. God speaks. And we're in this series where we're talking about God's will and we want to know God's will, do we not? We want to know what God wants us to do. Uh, Should I do this? Should I go right or should I go left? Should I buy this car or should I buy this house? Should we move? Should I date this person? Should I break up with this person? Should I propose to this person? Should we have kids? Should we have more kids? Should we get rid of some of the kids that we already have? (laughs) Lots of very important questions about what God's will for our life is, but here's the good, good news. This is great news. God wants you to know his will more than you want to know his will. He wants you to know his will. And so what is the problem? What is the problem? Does God got laryngitis? right? Are we out of range? Did the author and the maker of communication all of a sudden stop communicating to his people? No, God still communicates. God still speaks. In fact, he's speaking all the time. The struggle is this, though, and here's where in a nutshell get down to, is I think we're just not tuned in to him, to hearing him. We're not tuned in. For example, there are radio waves that are happening all the time right now going through. And if you had a radio, you could put that in and you could get the, you know, you get the signal. You not only have to have the radio on, you have to be turned to the right station in order to hear the message that is coming through. Uh, if you're a parent and you have kids and you hear your kid scream from another room, right? You as a parent, you know that cry, do you not? Like in that moment, you're like, oh, that's my kid. That's my kid this time. And you know in that moment whether or not they're really hurt or they're just whining and complaining because you know their cry. You are tuned in to what their voice or their cry sounds like. I heard a story years ago about a guy back when the telegraph was a big deal, went in to get a job. He wanted to get a job, so he walked on in, and the room was packed. People, want, there was just no jobs at the time, so guy comes in, goes to get this job, and there's this note on the reception desk that basically says, fill out this form, have a seat, and we will call on you to come on in. 
And so lots of people had come on in and they had filled out this form and they're sitting there and waiting to be called in. And then this guy, he comes on in and he walks into the room and he grabs the form and he fills it out. And not merely more than like, you know, maybe 10 seconds, he stands up and then he walks through the room where the interviews are going to take place, through the door where he's supposed to go. And all the people there are like, all the people sitting on the side are like, what the heck? You know, how arrogant. This guy just barges right on in. And, um, you know, they're thinking, okay, well, they're just going to shoot him right on out. Nobody's that bold kind of a thing. So he, he comes out maybe about, you know, 30 seconds or about three minutes later, comes on out and walks straight for the door. And they're like, ha, yep, he got kicked out. That's exactly what I expected to have happen. But then the boss walks out of the door and he announces to everybody in the room that the position has been filled. Thank you very much for coming. This guy got the job. And the reason he got the job is because there was in the background a telegraph was sending out messages. A Morse code type of thing that basically said, if you can hear this, walk through this door. And then he heard the message. So he walked in because he was tuned in to the message that was being given. And I think that's our struggle. I think for the most part, our struggle is that we are not tuned in to the voice of God. And there are three ways, or four ways actually, four ways in which I think God typically speaks to us. And so here, the, here I'm going to kind of do a quick little review of this, but progressively, I think that they get harder as you start. So like the first one is the clearest, easiest way to hear God's voice. And that is audibly. An audible voice. God speaks audibly. As I've told you before, last uh, couple of weeks ago, I have never heard an audible voice. I don't think I want to hear an audible voice from God. I would just freak out and, because God's speaking to me in that moment. And so this is rare, but no joke, literally. Last night while I was at the David Crowder concert, I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he said that he has heard an audible voice from God which I was like, dude, you got to tell me more, you know? You got to tell me about that. And he said, I was. I was in a conversation with somebody else. And while I was having this conversation, I heard like this voice, like he was standing directly behind me, tell me what he wanted me to hear. And since it's his stuff, I'm not going to share with you what it was. But, but he talked and he said the voice was so clear and he instantly knew who was talking to him in that moment. And so throughout the Bible, you see that God speaks audibly. It's just you know, I've never experienced that. And I, I, I don't hear it very often, but God still does speak in that way. Probably the next clearest way to hear God's voice is, is actually through his word. And two weeks ago, I talked about this. I talked about the fact that if you were to look up the phrase, the will of God, in, throughout scripture, it'll fall into one of three categories. Into the providential will of God, into the moral will of God, or into the personal will of God. And the providential will of God are those things that are just going to happen. It, God's going to do these things anyway. You don't need to pray about it. You don't need to worry about it. God's just going to have these things happen, like the second coming or the new heaven and the new earth coming together. That's God's providential will. His moral will is the things that God has already asked us to do in the Bible. The thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. These are the Ten Commandments. These are the instructions that Jesus gives us. 
And so what I did is last week or two weeks ago, I put up a big puzzle up here, a puzzle that my dad gave me when I asked him, what should I do for the rest of my life? And he said, you should go to a thrift store and you should buy a puzzle and then you should put it together and then you should take it apart and then you should put it back together and then you should bring it to me. And like I said, my Mr. Miyagi dad, I did that, right? I did that puzzle thing. And in the midst of the process, I got the answer that I was looking for. I felt like God spoke to me in that process. But what I also realized is when you put a puzzle together, the borders represent the providential and the moral will of God. This is the known will of God. And the more obedient and the more we know the known will of God, it opens us up and the easier it is for us to discern the personal will of God, which is the part that most of us are the most concerned with. And so... Last week, we had uh, Scott come up, and he talked about probably the third way in which we talked, um, we hear from God, and that's through wise counsel. And I would say, this is kind of like the fast track. Like, if you need to know an answer about what you're supposed to do, and God's will, and I got to make a decision by Thursday, this is a great way to go by asking and other people that you trust and have wisdom in your life, and ask them, hey, what, is, this, is this what God has for me? And hopefully, you know, Scott said that the big things are choosing the right people that they would know you, right? They would know something about the subject that you're, you're talking about or, or they, would, um, they would have no vested interest in the decision that you're going to make and that there's a clear path of um, obedience and evidence of God inside of their life. And so those are basically the first three ways. Audible, God's word, and then wise counsel. Today, what I wanna talk about is that still, small voice probably the hardest to discern when it comes to the ways that God speaks and probably the most abused when it comes to the way that God speaks. And so here's what Jesus said. He said this. He said, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep, those who follow him, hear, they recognize, they catch, they perceive my voice and I know them and they follow me. So personally, I have only heard God's still small voice a handful of times inside of my life where I could say for certain I felt like God had talked to me. And I've talked to you about a handful of them. Um, And I'll talk more about them as we go along to give you more context to what I'm talking about here. The first time that I ever really heard God's voice was truly when I put that puzzle together. When my dad asked me to do that, in the process of it, I was asking, hey, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. And in the midst of that, I felt like God said clearly that you're supposed to do ministry. And so that's where I ended up doing. And then I, you probably, many of you have heard the story of when we got this church started. I was cutting out a cutout of a tree that's literally sitting in the front entryway of, of um, you know, for Overlake when I was doing that. And I felt like God said, hey, you, should, you need to plant a church. You need to start a church. That was the second time. And it's happened a handful of other times, but no joke, literally the day after Easter, the Monday after Easter, I truly felt like I heard God speak to me again. Um, that was right there in my office. It was that evening. Uh, Easter was wonderful. Everybody had gone home. I was doing work in the office, getting things done, listening to worship music. And in the midst of there, and I don't want to go over spiritual on you, but I truly felt like God all of a sudden in the best, biggest, thickest presence that I've had in a long time found me sitting inside of my office to the point where I just kind of, I'm bursting into tears and I'm having a conversation with them. And in the midst of that, I felt like I heard these words, I am with you. 
I am with you. And what I didn't realize at the time that I heard that was that I needed to hear that for the week I was just about ready to have. I had a terrible week. Both crazy stuff happening at home and both crazy decisions and things to work around here at the church. And it was just a very tough week. And God knew that I needed to know that he was with me, right? I needed to know that walking into the week. And I didn't ask for him to speak to me at that time, but I felt like he truly did. And so he's only happened a handful of times in my life. But what it is, is it's like, a, it's like an image or an idea that comes directly into your mind. My favorite way to describe it is a, an impression. Like you have this impression in your soul, inside of your soul. And, and, and God, who is God, and because he's God, can skip the whole audible thing, and he can directly imprint imprint thoughts in your mind or implant thoughts in your mind. And he could do that. He has that capability. And so it could be something as, as easy as, a, as a, like a striking revelation. You're praying, you're silent, you're listening to God, and all of a sudden, boom, a firework goes off, a light goes, and you, you have this thought. You're like, oh my gosh, that's it. That, that's an impression that God would give you. It could be something soft, like, a, like an aha moment where all of a sudden the fog just kind of lifts and you're like, I know. I just know. It could be this reoccurring, pressing thought that just won't leave your mind. God wants you to do this, or God wants you to do that. And it just doesn't seem to go away. It's very mysterious. It's often very personal. And like I said, it's very difficult to discern um, in the very beginning. But here's the good news about hearing God's voice is that over time, it gets easier. It really does. Over time, it gets easier. So when my wife calls me, she does not have to say anymore, hey, this is Davey, right? She doesn't say that because I know my wife's voice. If she calls me, I know it's her by the sound of her voice and, and, and obviously because the caller ID says one hot mama. You know, it's just like... <laughs> Those two things, let me know. If I heard her voice from a distance or in a crowd, I know it's my wife because it's my wife and I've spent time getting to know her voice and I love her voice. And, 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 and I, because I've been in marriage with her for 12 years, I get it. I know that. And gentlemen, those of you who are just starting, you know, getting this marriage thing going on, you're just jumping into a relationship. Here's just one thing you need to know about women. And this is the one thing that you need to know about understanding a woman. No man knows what that one thing is. No man knows. But apparently there's one thing. So if you find out what that is, that would be awesome. Let me know. Otherwise, we'll live in the dark, okay? But Jesus says, my sheep, those who know him, what do they do? They hear his voice. And so in order to hear the voice of the shepherd, here's what we got to do. Number one, we got to start in submission, and we hate that word. I hate that word. I like control. I love to be in control. I feel like I'm in control right now, but I'm really not, right? I love control. And but to release that, God wants you to start in submission. And that starts with a relationship with him. We submit in a relationship with him. This verse will, may knock you back off your seat. Listen to this. Jesus says, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason, and this might be some of us in this room, the reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. That's a tough verse to read. 
That is a tough verse to read. You won't hear from him if you don't know him. You truly won't. It is about a relationship. And so if we don't have a relationship with Jesus, can, does that mean God can't speak to people who don't know him? Of course he can do that. But it says right there, Jesus' words, if you don't know, you know, if you don't hear from God, it's maybe you don't know him. The second part of submission is this, is you have to be obedient in advance. I talked about this uh, two weeks ago, and this is super important. A lot of times what we'll do is we will pray and we'll, we'll fold our hands and we're like, God, I just want to know your will. Just tell me your will. I want to know your will and I'll consider it, right? I'll put it in my list of options of things that I want to do. I'll put it in my list of choices, my bucket. I'll just consider. I really will, God. I'll consider it. God doesn't give us information for consideration. He does not. He gives us direction for participation, he assumes that we are going to, we need, he assumes we're going to participate, and that's when he gives us the information that we so, so, so desire. He wants to get us to a point where we're like, yes, whatever you're going to say, Lord, whatever it is, yes, I will do that. And then he will give us the directions at that point. And so it's got to start. If you want to hear from God, if you want to hear that still, small voice, it's got to start with submission. The second thing is this, is you gotta, we have got to learn to lean in to listen. So if you've ever heard anything juicy, ever heard somebody talk and you just want to hear what they're saying, you kind of lean in to hear. This literally last week that we took the team and we went to California to a conference. And uh, when we got on the plane, this happened. It was amazing and terrible all at the same time. The stewardess is walking down the aisle, and I can tell by the look in her eyes that something is different. Something's off. And I thought she was walking to me, and thank goodness she wasn't walking to me. But she comes up, but to the lady behind me, she starts down to having this conversation. And I knew something was up, so I am sitting up, just like this. <laughs> Leaning in is straining to hear whatever I could hear. And I found out, and I could hear, there was something up. This lady, apparently, had had, it was very sad, but she had too much to drink, and they were asking her to leave the plane and to get off the plane. And I'm like, where's my phone? I need to record this. She's going to be drug out of here. This is going to be awesome. Because <laughs> you've all seen those things online. I'm like, this is going to be live. This is going to be amazing, and I'm a terrible person. All right. But truly, I tell you this, I was zeroed in, and Allison is sitting to my right, and she started to talk to me. I'm like, <laughs> and Garrett, I'm like, Garrett, you gotta listen, dude. You gotta listen. He's like, what? And he puts his headphones back on. I'm like, dude, you're missing it. You know? <laughs> so she cooperated. She got off the plane. But man, when I wanted to hear something, I wanted to hear something. So I'm like listening in as hard as I could. That's how we've got to be when it comes to hearing God's voice. We want to want it so bad that we just lean in. And so what does that look like? Well, look at Jesus's example. What Jesus does first is he withdraws. I think it's, what is it, 15 times Jesus withdraw. He withdrew. Crazy. He withdrew and 15 times. And why would he do that? To reduce distractions so that he can communicate with the Father. Not just so he could pray to the Father, but so that he could hear from the Father. He went to a quiet place and he quieted his heart. And that is so hard in the place where we live today. 
When I was in Eatonville, it was actually a whole lot easier. There wasn't a lot going on in Eatonville when I was a kid. I came up here, this place is go, 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 busy, busy, busy. You have got to have either the TV on or your radio's got to be on. You got to be podcasting something. I mean, for heaven's sakes, the phone is out of control. And if we want to hear from God, sometimes we've got to set all that stuff down and put the distractions away so that we can actually hear from God. When I heard the first time, when I felt like God um, called me into ministry and I was putting the puzzle together, the reason I felt like I was able to hear is because I spent that time doing this mindless activity over and over again, putting pieces together and trying to put the puzzle and make it make sense. And so I had that time that quieted myself. I was just me and my puzzle for like months, me and my puzzle. When I was cutting out the tree, it was just me alone at worship, worshiping, listening to headphones in the middle of the, you know, listening to worship music. And in that moment, you know, just quiet, just cutting out this tree. I used to, years ago, when I first um, got to know Jesus, when I first felt his call to ministry, I used to go to this river um, back in my hometown. And I used to go there and I'd bring my guitar and I'd bring my Bible and I would just, I would go there and I'd spend all this time. And that was before I had kids and a wife and a job and all those kind of things. So I had this thing called time. It was amazing. <laughs> and so I would be able to go there and I would be able to sit and soak and listen. And it was amazing. And I love that river. I've got pictures of that river. I just, I, every time I can swing home, I try to swing by it if possible. Davy, sometimes when I get um, too irritated and life's too difficult, she's like, you should just go to your river, right? She just <laughs> sends me to the river. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. We got to take ourselves back. And then once we get there, we've got to wait. And I'm not just talking like just sit there and like, okay, God, next thought, it's you. I know it. You know, just not like sit there like that. Wait. Like for me, I can't just, I got to do something. So my hands needed to put a puzzle together or cut out, a, you know, a piece of wood or whatever. Mindless stuff. Friends, hurry is often the barrier to prayer. Hurry is often the barrier to prayer. We can't get past it. It's hurry, 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 go, go, go. Look at David's example. Here's what he says in the Psalms. He says, my soul waits. How does it wait? In silence for God only. For him, for him is my salvation. In him is my salvation. It's amazing. We have got to take time to listen. If we want to hear what God has to say, we got to take time to listen. It's a relationship, right? And in a relationship, what we often do when it comes to Jesus is we're the talker. Like, it's go, 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 talk, talk, talk. And then, oh, I got to move on to the next thing, but I didn't hear from you, God, because we were talking the whole time. A relationship is a two-way thing. It is where we talk to God and we also try and listen to God. And so to hear the shepherd's voice, we've got to start in submission. We've got to lean in in the right posture to listen. And this is a huge one. We've got to test the impression. Test the impression. Once you feel like you've heard something from God, that you have heard like this is the direction he wants me to go or that's what he said to me, you've got to test it. This is what Jesus said. He says, don't believe everything you hear just because someone says it is a message from God. Test it first. Huge. Test it first to see if it really is. As a pastor, I get the phrase sent to me many times, God told me to tell you. And when I hear that phrase, you just need to know, I'm just telling you right now. I almost instantly shut down. 
because I've just, it's been abused so much, has it not? It's been abused. I'm like, God told me to marry you. Well, didn't tell me, you know, kind of a thing. It's just, so, but here's the deal. I do believe God speaks through other people. So like if my, um, if my mentor, Dave Kelly, were to come up to me and said, God told me to tell you, I'm telling you right now, I'm listening. Whatever's coming out of his mouth next, because I trust that man with all my life. And, and, and it's the same thing. We have got to test whatever we hear or what others tell to us as the word of God. Because the fact is, in one second, we can hear from God. A thought can come into our head from God, and then the very next second, we could have a thought, a thought from Satan. And you're like, well, no, Jake, well, you don't mean Satan, right? You mean like a, 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 like a thought, a selfish thought, right? No, I mean Satan. Straight up, thought from God, thought from Satan. Look at the classic example of Peter. Peter was standing with Jesus, and Jesus asked the disciples, who do they say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And they said all these things, and then Peter stands up and says, I think you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, well done, Pete. Good work. You nailed it. And guess what? You couldn't have come up with that one on your own. We know that that thought came from God himself. And Jesus affirmed him in that moment. But literally in the same conversation, if you're reading the book of Mark, it's like sentences away. All of a sudden, Jesus starts to say this. He starts to say, well, talks about how he has to go to Jerusalem and he's going to be tortured there and he's going to suffer there. And what does Peter say? In the next sentence, in the same conversation, he says, no way. He says, God forbid it. God forbid it. You will not suffer. And what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. So in one second, he has a thought that's straight from God. And then the next second, he has a thought that's straight from Satan. And so it's so, so, so important. And the reason why we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about the fact that we've got to test the impression. You've got to test this still small voice that you hear and what that message is. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a tool, um, a little test, uh, a, a filter in which you can help discern, is this God's voice or is this not? And so if you want to write something down, this is a good thing to write down. These are going to be questions that you should ask yourself. And you've got to, it's got to pass all the questions. You can't just be, I'm going to pick this question and pick that question. It's got to pass all of them in order to be that. And if that's the case, there's a really good chance that that's God's voice speaking to you. Here's the first one. The pretty, probably the biggest, most obvious one. Is it consistent with God's word? This impression that you get, this thought that you have, you want to know if it's from God or not. The most important thing to do is line it up with God's word. Psalms 119 says, your word, Lord, is eternal. That means it will last longer than this earth. And what we know is that God will never contradict himself. He will never contradict his eternal word. And so if you have this impression, it's got to fall within the framework of this book. And what I mean by framework is his moral will and his providential will, the borders of that puzzle that we're talking about. If it falls in line with that, it very well could be God's impression upon you because God's voice is found in God's word. And for some of you, for some of you, here you go. Some of you need to stop looking or stop listening for a voice and start looking for a verse. That was like worth the price of admission right there, okay? 
some of you have to stop listening for a voice and you need to start looking for a verse because God's will is found in God's word. And you can find your will for your life and what God wants you to do by looking at his book. Second question. It's got to pass that one. It also should be confirmed by wise counsel. Is it confirmed by wise counsel? The apostle Paul said this. He said his purpose, and he's talking about God's purpose, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known. Friends, when I went to start this church, I was cutting out that tree, and I felt this impression that I should I should plant a church. I should start a church. The very next thing that I wanted to do was to confirm that. And so the person I asked right away was my wife. And it was the middle of the night, so I woke her up and I said, I know what we need to do. We need to plant a church. And if you've heard the story, she said, okay, we'll, we'll talk about it in the morning, right? And we did. We talked about it in the morning. And it doesn't make conventional sense that we would plant a church at that period in our life. And here's why I say that. We had just lost our daughter at that point. And so you don't make any major decisions when you've had some major tragedy happen. And it was only three months after she had passed away. And so asking my wife, I wasn't thinking she was going to go up for it at all. But the crazy thing was, is she said, I would love to. Or I, I think that's the right thing. I think we should. But we need to confirm it with Mike first, was what she said. I'm like, okay, Mike was my senior pastor at the time, so went to Mike, knowing that if I asked this, I very well could lose my job. <clears throat> and so I went to Mike, asked him. He said, I think it's a good idea. I asked Dave, my mentor of 15 years, what do you think? Should we start a church? My wife and I, should we start? And he, he, he crazy enough, said, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I'm like, even though we just lost our kid, yeah, I think that's a good idea. We went to our counselor. We asked our counselor, who knows us thoroughly, and we've been meeting with for like over a year up to that point, and asked, asked him, do you think we should do this? And he says, yes, I think you should. It doesn't make normal sense, but all these people confirmed that call. And here's what's crazy. I, I mean, it's not in here, but, but maybe you haven't heard this part of the story when it came to confirming the call of that impression on my heart. And it actually didn't start with my wife. It started with a guy named Jared Strid, who Jared Strid, some of you have heard this story because you were here from the very beginning, but Jared Strid was the first one called to this church. It wasn't actually me. So I was at Overlake, just lost our, our, our daughter, and I saw him in the hall one day, and he came up and he gave me those words. I feel like God told me. So he told me that. That's how he started the conversation. It said that you're about ready to do something big in your life. You're about to make a big change. And I just want you to know, this is what he said, I'm with you. I feel like I'm supposed to go with you. And when somebody says, God call, told me this, I do this just about the same thing. I'm like, okay, great, Jared. And I blew him off. I really did. In fact, he's running the, uh, hi, Jared. <laughs> I blew him off. I blew you off. I, you probably didn't know that, but I just like, yeah, Jared, okay, thank you. And, and, and so I went back, and I thought, I didn't think about it at all until the night I was cutting out that tree, and all of a sudden I felt like I was supposed to plant a church. And it was at that point, before I went up to get my wife on my phone, I looked, I reached out to Jared, and I wish I would have thought of this ahead of time. I could have put it on the screen so you would have seen it, and the dates and everything. I asked him, um, what did you have in mind? What did you think when you said, I'm about ready to do, make a big change in my life? And he literally said, I don't know. I half expected you to tell me you're going to go out, leave Overlake, and plant a church. 
And when he said that, I'm like, yep, that's great. <laughs> More confirmation, wise counsel. You gotta test it. You can't just say, oh, well, God told me this and then just go blindly. You gotta test it. These are the parameters. It's God's word. It is wise counsel. And here's the last one. Do you have peace while you proceed? Do you have peace while you proceed? And here's what I mean by that. Too often when we're asking for, hey, this is God's word. We want to find God's will in our life. We take this position like this and we just, we sit and we wait. And God, please speak to me and please speak to me. And yes, I did say you got to have the posture of listening in and waiting. But sometimes it's paralyzing where I'm not going to move, Lord, until you, until you tell me which way to go. And so many of you heard that saying, God cannot steer a parked car, Right? You gotta move into motion. Oftentimes, the worst decision is indecision. And I think I would rather make a mistake <laughs> in Jesus' name, right? Going out and doing the wrong thing than to sit around and do nothing. And, and, and here's what I think I think God is so good, He's so big that He literally could take you and you could go the wrong way, or you can go right when you were supposed to go left, and you'll get there and you're like, dang it, that was wrong. And you can turn around and you can go back the other direction. You can make a mistake. You could choose the wrong career. He can course correct that. You know what I mean? He can course correct these big decisions. He's a big God. He's a big God. And so what I mean by peace is this. is like we've got to listen in motion. And so as you're listening in motion and you're walking down the path you think you need to go, sometimes that path is going to be so easy and you're like, look at all this. All the stars are aligning and the doors are opening and it's coming open, but yet you don't have peace in that process. For some reason, in your gut, in your, in your soul, you're like, I don't feel like this is right. You should listen to that voice. Other times, you could be going down a direction and it could be, you know, you could be hitting opposition against opposition against opposition, doors closing, and it just seems that circumstantially this is not the way to go, but yet... You feel in your gut, in your core, in who you are that this is right. Listen to that voice and keep going and knock those doors down and find your way if God is calling you to do that. Because it's not always going to be a paved road that he's going to have you walk. But you got to have peace in the process, right? You got to have that peace and you got to feel it and sense it in that sense. And I know that's hard because we're talking about feeling and sensing and it's not so concrete. That's why this is the hardest way to hear from God. This still small voice is the most difficult way to discern. And what I have found is this, is I have found oftentimes I am stepping out not having 100% sure that that is God's voice, but I think it is, right? And the only way you're gonna know is in the rear view mirror. And the only way you're going to know is when you step into heaven, right? And you look back and Jesus is like, you took the right way, man. You took the right way. Well done. Or you get up there and he's like, you took the wrong way, man. How many times could I tell you, right? This was the way to go. And he's like, but it's really glad to have you here. So come on in, you know? <laughs> so watch out. Go left. I mean right, but go left. <laughs> so truly, you got to, we, got to, we got to learn to listen. And that peace is a big part of it. So I don't know where you're at. When you came in today, I know that all the time we have big decisions on our hearts and on our shoulders, and I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it is a career thing. Maybe you're trying to figure out what direction you are to go in a career. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a marriage thing. Maybe it's a relationship thing. 
I'm not sure what it is. What I am saying, though, is that God will speak to you if we will learn to listen and tune in. Oftentimes, we feel like it's Charlie Brown, right? We ask a question, and we get the rah, rah, rah back to us. And we're not sure what it is. We've got to tune in. There's these crazy verses in the Bible. There's 14 of them that say this. For him who has ears to hear, let him hear. For, hear, her, for her who has ears to hear, let her hear. What that is saying is that if we listen with the right ears, we can hear what God has to say. We can hear. In the 1970s, there was this, um, the craze. I wasn't around much then. I was born in 76, but I remember my dad having a CB radio in his truck. And that was the thing, right? That was the way to communicate. Facebook, whatever. It was CB radio. And the phrase that he would say every time he got in the car and he turned it on was this. Who's got their ears on? You know, who's got their ears on? And that was the, that was the thing. That's how you knew, hey, I want to talk with you. And I want you to listen. And so you had to have your ears on. You had to have that radio turned on. And not just turned on, but to that dial. And I think that's what we've got to do, you guys. If you want to hear God's will for your life, we've got to tune in. And it's a variety of things that we could do. You can learn God speaks in many different ways. But if you want to hear that still, small voice, we have got to tune in to listening to him. We've got to be submitted on the front end. We've got to lean in into the posture where we come alongside. We, we get away. We reduce distractions. We actually take time to listen. And then once we hear something, we've got to test it. We have got to test it to make sure it is the genuine article, the real voice from God. It's possible, you guys. It is possible, as mysterious as it is, to hear from God. Let's pray.